tonight I just kind of want to set the tone for what we're going to be talking about. And I think a lot about what we're focusing on this weekend is in this book of Galatians. It's really good. And so I wanted to start by reading Galatians 5. You can turn with me there if you want. You can stay in Galatians. I'm, I'm going to mention a few verses outside of Galatians. You don't have to worry about turning those unless you really want to. I do talk kind of fast like Russ was saying, so bear with me. And tonight it's even worse than normal because I only have 20 minutes, okay? So, Galatians 5, 19 through 25 says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. What, what about that sounds intriguing or exciting to anyone in here? Sounds pretty bad, right? Right. And if you had friends that exhibited those characteristics, you probably wouldn't want to spend all that much time with them, right? Okay, and he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the contrast. Here's what we're shooting for this weekend. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's kind of the goal that we're shooting for here, right guys? Not the fruit of the flesh, or as Leah, who joined our staff team this year, would say, the vegetables of the flesh. But rather, we're looking for the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're one of the men that says, I want the fruit of the Spirit to be coming out of my life, then listen carefully this weekend, and pay attention, and grow. A lot of this will be review, but ask the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and to change you. And I think that He's going to do that in all of our lives. So let me pray, and then let's get into it. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be here together tonight. I thank you, God, that you're working in each of our hearts. God, whether we've known you for one day or for a hundred years, God, no matter who's in here, I know you're working in our hearts right now. God, I pray that your word would reach into our hearts tonight and that it would speak to us exactly how you desire. God, that you'd open our mind and our eyes to see what you're saying in your word. Thank you so much, Jesus. So, as we start this out, I wanted to start with Paul's intro to the Galatians. He says in verses 3 through 5 of chapter 1, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. How many of you guys think this present age is also a present evil age? Amen. Right? <laughs> There's a lot going on that's pretty evil right now. But he gave himself for you to rescue you from that. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Right? I don't have to be under the curse of this world. I'm not subject to this present evil age, but he, my Savior, gave himself for me so that I would be rescued from that, right? According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Guys, in the middle of that present evil age, I can have grace and peace in him, and only because of him and what he did. I wanted to start by talking about the gospel, because that's what he's talking about there, how Jesus died to rescue us from that present evil age, guys. So, as we think about the gospel, you can look at 2, 15 through 16 and 21 here in Galatians. And it says, We know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we have put our, <clears throat> so we have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So those attributes that we discussed in the beginning, the good fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I don't attain that 
by working harder or by striving harder. Now, how many of you guys have tried that? Right, I have. And it didn't work out that well. Sometimes I tried really hard to get the fruit of the Spirit, and I got the vegetables of the flesh, right? I got that junk, and I went, what in the world is happening? That's the whole point of the gospel, is he died and paid for all my sins, and then he rose from that grave. We celebrated that last week, right? To give us eternal life with him. That's what we call the gospel, kind of plain and simple. I want to read you a little kind of synopsis of the gospel from Jesus' mouth as we talk about the gospel. How many of you guys have heard this before? No, Brandon, Dakota? I don't know if I shared it at the men's retreat last time. Anyway, check this out. And this all comes straight from Jesus' mouth. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. All who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the darkness. My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. I have called you friends. Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise. Anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. How do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Sin is unbelief in me. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. This is good news, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal as friends. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Be sure of this, I am with you always. I will never fail you, I will never forsake you. Pretty good stuff, right? That's Jesus saying, this is the gospel, right? There is a real heaven and a real hell, regardless of what Rob Bell says, right, Gene? Right? There is an eternity at stake, and this present evil age is not all that we're living for, guys. But Jesus came to save us from that. And that's where Paul really starts talking to the Galatians. And we'll get into it in a minute, but he, he challenges them to not forget that and to not get sidetracked from that gospel. Right? So I want to encourage you, we need to receive the gospel. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, nobody's looking at you funny thinking, why did you come to this retreat? <laughs> right? In fact, we're really glad you came to this retreat. And I would encourage you this weekend, talk to somebody that brought you. And ask more about this gospel. Ask what it means to have a friendship with the God of this universe. And don't leave this weekend without starting that friendship. Now, if you do know Jesus lived this gospel, this is what Paul is talking about here, the Galatians, right? He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, 
produced in me because of Christ in me, which is the whole point of the gospel. That I'm not doing this on my own, but that he is living his life through mine. Right? So don't, don't get stuck thinking I have to do it on my own. We'll talk more about that later. But guys, don't just receive it. Don't just live it. I want to encourage you to share the gospel. Right? Because there is a present evil age that we talked about that is completely clueless about true hope. They don't have a clue. They don't have a hope. They don't have anything when it comes to what you have. And they need it. They desperately need you to share it with them. They need your hope. They need your Savior, guys. So Paul tells the Galatians in chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the point of the gospel. By putting my faith in Him, I become His child. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We've been adopted into his family simply because of what he did at the cross. We're his children. And because of that, Paul continues in chapter 4, saying that we can say, Abba, Father, this, this father-son relationship type of term in Aramaic, saying, Daddy, I love you. Just like my daughter. I talked to my daughter a few minutes ago before she went down for the night. And she said, I love you, Daddy. You know That same kind of intimate fellowship that I have with Eliana, my precious daughter, and Kara, my other precious daughter, we can have that with our Father God. Because of the gospel. We can't get away from this. So when Paul says in verses 6 through 9 of chapter 1, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we have preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let him be eternally condemned. So he's telling the Galatians, don't get sidetracked from that gospel. Right? Is there anything as even close to that, what we just talked about? There's nothing that comes close to that. And see, they were being told, you have to go back and do this in your own power. Right? The fruit of the Spirit, produce it, because you're trying harder. And they're actually going so far as to say, salvation, earn it through your own works, right? And Paul is saying, this doesn't work. He says, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. What, what was happening is they would already taken down all these barriers between them and God. right? The barriers of the law. And having to have a performance-based acceptance relationship with God. Which is where a lot of guys are right now tonight, I think. And they would already torn that down and then they are rebuilding it back up. Trying to go back to the old law instead of walking by grace and through faith. Right? So I want to encourage you, we can't go back there. I think once we've understood the gospel and started the relationship that we have with Christ, our tendency can be one of two things. We can go back either to legalism, right? Doing everything just because I have to do it, because that's the way it has to go. Or we can go back to lawlessness or sin, like Paul defined it there, right? We can go back to just living according to the flesh, doing my own thing. And as Christians, we can go in either of those two directions, I wanted to talk just a minute about sin, because I don't think there's a guy in here, myself included, Jackson definitely would agree, 
uh, that is coming in here tonight perfect, right? Saying, I got it all together, and I am perfect. We all deal with sin, and we don't need to be enslaved to it anymore. That's the next thing we're going to get to in a minute. James 1.14 says, and through 15, it says, But each one of us is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So I want to encourage you here. What is the cycle that you see? What does it start with there? Desire, right? It says, first you, you have desire, and then temptation works on that, and then sin comes after temptation. So if you want to beat sin, guys, and we don't want to go back to that, sin, that life of sin, if we want to beat sin, I have to go first to the issue of desire, right? Isn't that true? Right? Because if my desires change, temptation has nothing to work with. And that's where, get this, this is, I hope, important, and it goes back to the to everything we just talked about in the gospel. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Get this? As I get my eyes on him, again, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 talks about this, getting my eyes on him instead of on the sin. When I start getting my eyes on my Savior and realizing, living the gospel, recognizing what he's done for me, when I get my eyes on him, he starts to change me from the inside out. It's not just an issue of me trying harder, but it's him changing the inside. It's him changing what everything else comes out of. So that's where we need to get. If I want to see the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about at the beginning, I don't just need to try harder, but I need to recognize what he's done in my life and then start loving God, start loving my Savior and keeping my eyes on him. Right Now, there's this sin cycle that happens when we do sin. And I want to mention this so that you can nip it in the bud when you see it. First of all, this happened with Adam and Eve back in Genesis. When they saw their sin, when they recognized their sin, doesn't this happen you sin? And then the Holy Spirit convicts you of that sin. You realize that was sin, right? Okay, the first tendency could be, I'm going to run. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? So I recognize that sin, and then I bolt. I run from God. And then what happens? I start to rationalize it. Isn't that true? That's what it talks about in Romans 1.28. That results in bondage and isolation from both God and others. Did you get that? So sin, conviction of the Holy Spirit, running away from God, rationalizing in my head, and that resulting in bondage to that sin and isolation from both God and others. It's not that God isn't in my life. He, he very much is. But the reality is that I am not walking very close to him, and I start to doubt his presence in my life. And then I start to not want to be around other Christians. Isn't that kind of the cycle that we see ourselves in sometimes? In college ministry, we, we can see it when, when students quit walking with God. You start to see them avoiding you more and more and more, right? They don't want to be around. And it, there isn't any reason I don't want to be with that person, but that conviction and that resulting isolation when somebody's running from God drives them away. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. And maybe this is where you're at coming in from who knows what this past week. When you see that there's this sin in my life, instead of saying, gosh, I just got to try harder, and instead of just saying, man, I'm a failure, I want to encourage you, instead, don't run away from God, but just get your eyes on Him and run straight to Him. Because here's what Scripture tells us happens when we do that. When I run to God, when I confess that sin, 1 John 1, 9, He forgives it and He cleanses me of all unrighteousness, Right? And as I run to him, I walk in the light and I know the truth. And what happens when I know the truth and walk in the light? I'm set free, right? And I have fellowship with both God and others, 1 John 5. Isn't that good? And John 8 on the set free part. 
That way I'm walking in the light, I'm walking in the Spirit, right? And now He's producing His fruit through me. It's not just me trying harder. Now, Paul knew that, and that's why he tells the Galatians in the beginning of chapter 3, and hang with me here, we're, we're going to get down close to 20 minutes. But in Galatians chapter 3, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? This is what he's getting at here. Did you receive the Spirit of God by doing a certain number of things? And he's saying no, right? Or did you receive the Spirit by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Again, this is where we are. We're trying to attain the goal of the Christian life that God has called us to by our own efforts, and we're coming up short every time. right? God saved us, and now we said, that's great, now I'm going to do it on my own, and we can't be there. We're reverting back to legalism, we're reverting back to sin, and both ways it's not working. So the point of it, now that you know God, this is Galatians 4, verse 9, now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Paul is hitting this issue hard. Am I going to walk in grace? Am I going to walk in the gospel? Or am I going to go backwards? Right? Am I going to rebuild the barriers that I already pulled down? Legalism 5, 4, uh, chapter 5, verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And then in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. As we talk about sin, guys, gosh, this is so key, and I know I mentioned this in one of the last couple retreats. Sometimes I know what God has called me to do, right? And I say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do my own. I'm going to do my own thing. Because I don't really trust God that you're right. And when I do that, I get the, the reward of doing things my way. I get the natural consequence of my sin. Does that make sense? And then what does the average Christian do when faced with the natural consequences of his own sin? He points the finger at God and says, God, how could you? Right? So instead of looking at my Savior and loving Him and letting Him change me from the inside out, sometimes I revert back to doing this selfishly and then point the finger at God and say, how could you let this happen to me? Isn't that true? Instead of realizing that when God calls me to a life of righteousness to, through the Spirit, He's doing that knowing that I get the natural consequences of His righteousness, which is very good stuff, right? It's very, very good. So I want to encourage you guys, the perspective here isn't just trying harder by human effort, but really it is following Him, loving Him, obeying Him from the heart, through the Holy Spirit's power inside of each one of us, and then allowing Him to produce His fruit and the results of that fruit in our life. Right? So, guys, we've got to love Him more. Mark 12, 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. I know, if I'm honest with you, I'm not there. Right? All my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. Maybe, maybe 10% of each of those if I'm lucky. Right? But not all. See, if I really want to know what Paul's talking about here, this Galatians 2.20 life of him living his life through me, I have to get to that point of focusing on him more than anything else in this world. We've got to read Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that what we want right there? See, it's not me that's doing it, guys, but it's him doing it through me. He's the one living through me. And so as we start, and I'm going to close this out in just a minute with a, a few encouragements, my, my heart tonight, the thing that I want to encourage you with, is you can't just come in here thinking, i got to try harder to be a good man. i got to try harder to be the man God called me to be. Or thinking, i got it all together. Every one of us need to come to this point where we say, Jesus, you're everything. I need you more today than I ever have in my life. I pray that every morning, and I, I mean it more every morning than I ever have. It's not like just a rote prayer that I feel like I have to pray. I know every morning I have this deep sense of need for Jesus, realizing that I have got to have him, and I feel desperate about him. Okay, guys, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The whole point of this is freedom in him, to be who he's called you to be, and who he's made you to be, and to live the life that he's given us to live, right, in his power, not our own. So I say, and I'm going to go back to what we started with, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature, again, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You guys, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Isn't that good news? That's, that is good news for us tonight. So some closing encouragements that I think will help you live this life full of the fruit of the Spirit through His power. One is accountability. We need each other, and I think that's why a lot of us are here tonight. Galatians 6, 1-2 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We need to carry each other's burdens. We need to be there for each other. Right? We need to be there to support each other and to keep each other accountable to walk with God. Next, guys, how many of you have found that the Christian life just gets easier and easier and easier? <laughs> no, huh? Right? This is great. God is developing us into his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? That takes some trials. Andrew Murray put it this way. He says we, remember we talked about this quote, Gordy, I think? He says, we often pray for humility, and then we fearfully and seek deliverance from all that God would use to bring us to that place. <laughs> okay? And I, I think this is key, guys. We need to be persevering in the Christian walk. And that's what it tells us in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Finally, guys, we need the right perspective. We need God's perspective uh, chapter 6, verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says my only perspective is Jesus Christ. He's my only glory. He's my only hope. He's my only passion. He's my only perspective. He's everything. 
there's an atheist we used to share with a lot on campus. And he said, what is with you Christians? Every one of you, all you ever want to do is talk about Jesus. And he says, I'll take an art class with one, and every art project has to do with Jesus, you know? And I sit down here and talk with you guys, and every time we talk, it gets back to Jesus. And he, you remember this guy. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Because uh-huh. <laughs> Gordy shared with this same guy all the time. And he would, he would also ask about other things. He goes, why are you guys always so happy? <laughs> yeah. He'd say, me and my friends don't just sit around smiling. And every time I see you Christians, you're all smiling. <laughs> what, what's the deal? He, he asked about hope. You guys, we have what this whole world doesn't have, and I need to keep that perspective. They don't have joy. They don't have hope. They don't have a Savior like I do. Right, so I need to keep that perspective. So the challenge tonight, love him more than ever, guys. Receive, live, and share the gospel. Walk in the freedom that he's given you and the power of his Holy Spirit. Stay strong in accountability. Don't give up. Stay perseverant and keep the right perspective. Guys, get ready for a good retreat. We're going to get into a lot of good stuff this weekend, and it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be awesome. And I want to close with uh, chapter 6, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen.